are tabletop RPGs dying? Will Rodrigo and Stafford convince me that anime is good? Is Demon Slaying morally ethical? Those and more answers today on the new episode of Moose Mike. My name is Arthur, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rodrigo. Hey. And Stafford. Hello. It's been four episodes, and you guys still have a delay on that. <laughs> I think that's fine. How are you guys doing? It, it depends, because also, like, supposedly this is the third episode, right? Like, depends uh, on how we were Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, we're recording this such in a jumble manner that I don't really know which episode is this. But we, we've recorded a it's few a, of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, you know, like, three. Maybe when we get to 30, like, we could nail it down. Maybe when we get to 30, the intro is going to be nailed down. You guys going to reply, I don't let stop. Sir, yes, sir! Sir, yes, sir! Yeah. Well, that kind of like statements, I think, goes according to the fa- the uh, the first topic that we're talking about. <laughs> nice segue, nice segue. Yes, there's nothing like obedience when you're slaying demons. Have you guys been playing Doom Eternal at all? That no. no. Wait, wait. So they're telling me stuff. Are you sure against the slaying of demons? I have no problem with the slaying of fictional creatures. Um... Are you in favor of demon rights? No. Do you think that renewable energy coming from hell energy, also known as argent energy, is good for humanity and we should risk opening portals to hell to have a renewable energy source? You know what? Hey, seems like a good idea to me. (laughs) Count me in, boss. That's that's actually the plot of the Doom games. (laughs) Not even making this up as I go. Oh, yeah. Wait, so before me and Rodrigo start talking, because we both played, what do you know about Doom? What's your thing? Uh, I'm, I'm so, with... for me, Doom... Oh, no, sorry. oh sorry, Stafford. I, I want to hear Stafford, because like, me and you, we play Doom. We know what it is. I want to hear what like, he doesn't play. I want to hear what he thinks of Doom. I know what Doom is. Okay, Doom's been, out, do you Doom's know? been around for a long time, but Doom Eternal and I know. Doom 2016. I'm familiar with Doom. I'm familiar with mm-hmm. the concept of Doom. I am, in fact, a nerd. This hasn't been established already. Though, so that, that makes me think you're not the biggest <laughs> fan of it. Because if you were, you'd be playing Doom Eternal. You, you know what? Like, with this whole conversation, Dog, it just seems like that. Like, those uh, awkward, like, socially... I'm gatekeeping uh, him. <laughs> I'm gatekeeping Doom. No, yeah, no, kind of. But also, like, you know, where you were talking about, like, demon rights. And now that stuff where you're saying, like, I, I know Doom, you know? Like, sounds like, hey, I also have, like, demon friends. Like, I, I, I'm not racist against them, you know? Like, I can also have demon friends. <laughs> Right, Stafford. How many demons have you actually slain in the past ten years? Not enough, I say. Not enough. Anyway, you're saying. Um, I mean, I, I'm familiar with Doom as a as a game, and I've played br- very briefly the old one, but I got rent to pay, dog. I've already spent one hundred and twenty dollars on fucking RPG books. Uh, fair enough. Fair so enough. Uh, do Do you like Doom? What are your thoughts I, on Doom? I got I got my vice. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a solid game experience, right? Like the the same thing that sold it years ago is is really the same thing that's selling it now. They the same core concept that is right. They polished it. They they did what was appropriate, which is they upped the game, they upped the ante, they they brought it to a whole kind of new level. But it's still that same visceral game feel that uh, that made the first Doom so popular, which is that that feeling of moving fast actually connects to moving moving fast you know the the blood the guts the gore kind of plays into it but 
it's that feeling of moving forward, plowing through objectives, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be blood and gore, just quick motion and, and feeling that momentum of gameplay connects to a place in your mind that is just uh, an adrenaline center. It just turns you on right there. Oh, um, and it works, must turn obviously. You sure. I didn't know Stafford had a degree on uh, game design. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's a new one. That's word. a new one for me. I just learned it. Thank you. That, that's, that's a lot more logical and rational approach than I expected. Man of many talents. Man of many talents right here. What did you think, Rodrigo, of Doom Eternal? Uh, well, from Doom Eternal, I cannot like have an opinion per se because I haven't played like the latest game. I, I've seen some trailers and some people playing it on YouTube or, or that kind of stuff, right? But I haven't actually played Doom Eternal. Mm -hmm. But I played uh, Doom... Uh, what is it, 2016? 2016, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also played the one back, uh, the three? old one. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, act actually, and, and that's, I think, a really um, kind of like tied down with what Stafford was saying. Uh, yeah, like, there's this, like, uh, perception that Doom is just like a franchise of blood and guts and all that kind of stuff, right? But I think with Doom 3, like, they got really derailed from the actual funny stuff that was ha happening beforehand you know yep because got you even really. like the, even in the old games like it, it was kind of like ridiculous when you got to the spiders and all that kind of stuff like it so, was just pure nonsense so you know what's then, like, biggest inspiration wh what is it? disney i'm not even joking the, really? one of the main the, the creative director for eternal who also worked on a few older doom games he said that since the beginning doom's biggest inspiration has been disney because disney is over the top so they wanted to make the hell and demon version of like the Disney story. The over-the-top princess prince knight in shiny armor story. But instead of being like all pretty and Disney-like, it's demons and the Doomslayer and all this metal shit. But their biggest inspiration is Disney. It's pretty interesting. But I, I think like that that didn't showcase with uh, Doom 3, you know? With Doom 3, I, yeah. I, th like, mm -hmm. I, I think they tried to go more like the survival horror at the moment. And go like really... Kind of like they're taking themselves too seriously. So when I played uh, 2016, like for me, that was a relief because they embraced like the ridiculousness from the whole franchise, you know? Has like any I of think you that's what is successful. Played Combat Evolved, Halo Combat Evolved. The nope. good old classic OG Halo? Yes, of yeah. course. So uh, Doom 3 is effort for contest. Context. It's like it's like that level on Halo Combat, the first flood level on Combat Evolved, where you first find a flood and the game becomes a bit survival horror. Because it's like they're facing this new zombie enemy and all that. That's how the whole of the terrified the shit out of me as a and little kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the Doom mm -hmm. <laughs> look. You know, I don't know. It's it was a weird game in a weird time. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I think something that was really cool is like they they knew how to reinvent or like bring back to the roots of the franchise. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's why it's successful nowadays, because it's just, like, pure madness and pure ridiculousness. Like, I have seen, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, a spoiler or something, but just, like, a picture frame of uh, uh, the Doomslayer with his rabbit from one of the first games. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I just think, like, th those yeah. kind of, like, little cool details that if somebody in, like, I don't know, a production meeting is saying, like, oh, we should have, like, a stupid rabbit or, like, this thing from the past games that... Like some some might say, oh, like that that doesn't fit with the whole vision, or that doesn't fit with the whole gore and blood uh, and all that kind of stuff, right? But then, 
you just like see it happen and it's so freaking metal that I, I just think like that's what defines doom you know like ridiculous like the way it gets so ridiculous is like so fucking metal that like it makes it so bad at you know? blood gore and metal doesn't need to be gritty like that's i think a lot of people like kind of associate oh when it's gory and it's bloody it's also gritty no it can be ridiculous it can be wacky it can be fun that's doom and I've been playing Doom Eternal. I haven't finished Doom Eternal yet. Um, actually, I think somewhere in the beginning of the game, I killed the third Hell Priest. And again, Hell Priests, Betrayers, Makers—they're all names in the game. All done like Argent Energy, Hell Energy. It's all like dumb stuff that the game has. It's a lot of fun because the one thing that Doom Eternal did that Doom 2016 didn't do. If you guys saw gameplay of Doom 2016 or play 2016, you would know this. Doom 2016 has this clear message of fuck the story. Like the first time a character starts expositioning, Doom guy just punches a computer to stop him from talking. (laughs) Doom Eternal is not like that. Doom Eternal has a linear story that it follows, but it's such a wacky story. It's such a fun, like it has a like it has a deep lore behind it, right? The Doomslayer, the Betrayer, the Makers, the Hell Priests. They all have like a lot of world building and lore behind them. But it's not Halo lore. It's not Gears of War lore. It's wacky Doom lore. So it's all like written mm-hmm. on a like uh, self-serving, uh, funny and wacky way that just fits the Doom style. And the game actually has a progressive story now. Where also like I I heard and maybe you can tell me uh well to the point that you have reached in the story from from this game like like for me. 2016 was kind of like a reboot mm-hmm. but i've seen like some posts online that it's like with this doom eternal like it confirms it's not a reboot it's more like a continuation or it just ties everything to every freaking game that has been released from doom like it ties everything together is that true so, yeah so it's true so basically the idea is that this doom guy is the same doom guy from all the way back on the first game the idea is that he went on a crusade which is but after the last i think doom 3 after doom 3 i think he went to hell Actually, you know what? I'm not sure if they retconned Doom 3. It might have been from Doom 2 onwards. But anyway, after one of the original Doom games, he went, Doom guy went on a rampage and a bloody crusade in hell, killing demons and disturbing the world order, basically, because he slaughtered most demons. That's where he got the title of Doomslayer or Doombringer or Doom guy. And during his crusade, the demons are able to trap him on the sarcophagus, which is where he wakes up in Doom 2016. And Doom 2016 starts, but it's the same Doomslayer, the same skill, same guy, same story, basically. He just has a deep, unrelenting hatred for demons. And I have a question about that, like, for, for both of you, like... Is it ethical I, I, uh, to murder human, demons? No, well, yeah, beyond that, but... Uh, no, what, what I was going to ask is, like, I, I get the whole uh, Demonslayer character, and now that you're going more into, into depth, about his motivations and like this game is explaining more about who he is and all that kind of stuff but like i've seen that in recent years we're getting like different like as a male or i don't know if it's just like a male role model or just like this stereotype or archetype uh because beforehand like people looked up to people like uh rambo or like commando from schwarzenegger like that that kind of thing right so and now we have seen like characters just as john wick and like at, at this moment, for example, in the video game realm, like we have seen Doom Guy. So, what does 
these characters are so appealing mm. or or what what are your opinions of why we can relate to these characters that like they're like pretty much like human weapons on the move pretty much it i don't know i, I think it's like just uh, i mean stefford's more a psychologist than i am so he could probably say it better but i think it's a lot of like the all of these characters, they fight evil. They fight Nazis, they fight demons, they fight, like, morally black evil. No, there's no gray to it. It's just evil at its purest form. And these guys scare evil. They put evil, they make evil run away from them in fear. I think that's where the, the appeal comes from. Doomslayer goes in hell and kills all the demons that are torturing humans and killing humans just for fun. And he goes in there and he punishes them. It's like the similar... We were talking comics like a few weeks ago. Same thing as Punisher. Same appeal he has. But Punisher nowadays has a lot more, a lot more like morally gray areas to him. Doom guy still is. He's just killing demons. There's no morality in there. These are demons. These guys are evil. They're the worst of the worst. And you're ripping and tearing through them. What do you think about that? Effort? I think I think there's an element to that. Um... Yeah, it, it, it removes it removes the moral kind of grayness. Um, you see just enough of like with with using the example of John Wick, right? Like we recognize, okay, John Wick's an assassin, right? He's not a good guy. He's but but we don't ever actually see him as the as the villain. We see that he tried to retire, and then of course there's there's the all sorts of um, emotional connection to animals so you know of course suddenly you know the, the bad guys kill his animal and it doesn't matter how bad john wick is the bad guys are worse right so there i, th I think arthur you've stated it pretty well which is that there's that psychology of uh it doesn't matter because it's pure evil that's being slaughtered mercilessly as long as as long as the villain is worse it doesn't really matter what you do uh in entertainment that is not in you yeah. know do not quote me on that for anything <laughs> in the context of uh, No, but I think, like, like my question comes from... Because I, I, I think also one of the appeals from people towards these characters is, like, the... It, it's not perseverance. It's kind of, like, the relentlessness. Like, they're pretty much unstoppable. So, like, they're I don't know... They're a force of if, nature. Like, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if that's kind of more like the appeal. Like, because both of you guys have showcased, like, it has, like, a really psychological or deeper meaning but i don't know if like the, the real appeal comes from just like they're an spectacle like people are just waiting for to see like doom guy ripping apart demons like left and right and having young ways doing like there is also a, a like hundred mafia but there's also the know, male like... fantasy part of it which is all these guys have one thing in common which is they want something done they do it and it gets done right like john wick zogs get killed and he killed a lot of people in revenge and nobody stops him he wants to do it that and he does it doom guy hates demons so he goes to hell and he does it that's part of a fantasy and i'm not saying this in the neatest arcasian way of that this is the way video games are sexist and no that's not what i'm saying like I, i'm not saying the fantasy per se is bad but it is a fantasy and that's why it drags a lot of people like all these like old 80s heroes they have an issue they go there and they do it they solve it Right, and I, I feel yeah. like part. I know a lot of people kind of want their lives to be like that, but real life is not like that. <laughs> you, you did, you just can't punch your problems away. So it's kind of like fun a, as it would be. a catharsis character kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that. You're saying something, uh, Stafford. Yeah. 
I was, I just said as much fun as it would be to punch our problems away, right? Yeah. Just, Which is like, yeah. again, uh, since we're talking about video game characters, I want to bring like my favorite video game character up here. Since we're talking about like what makes them appealing and attracting, my favorite video game character is uh, Arthur Morgan from Red Dead Redemption 2. And the reason why I think Arthur Morgan works so well is because he's the exact opposite of that. He's a guy that tries to live a life of, I do my own laws, I do whatever I want, I, w- I want it done, I do it. And to some degree, he does it. He does that. And he's a bad guy because of it. Like, the whole like first act of Red Redemption 2, you're playing a villain. There is but no excuse. Arthur it, Morgan is a bad guy. And it takes him realizing that he can't always have things his way, and he can't always be forcing people to do what he wants. And, again, spoilers for a two-year-old game. But the prospect of his own mortality, with him getting tuberculosis and start dying slowly, that make him realize that sometimes he can't do everything for himself, and he has to do it for other people. And there's this whole arc of him giving his life so his surrogate brother and his family can live. Which is the most beautiful video game arc I've seen in my life. One of the best media arcs mm. I've seen. Like, Arthur Morgan as a character is beautiful. Uh, and and maybe I'm deviating from the the topic of, like, choosing our characters from video games, right? But I, I think we have something here that will be really cool to dive in. That is, uh, real quick, you just have to say yes or no, mm-hmm. Arthur. But do you think there should be a movie about Red Dead Redemption 2? No, I don't think so. So, is there, like, I know we're talking about, like, media... And, and for people at home, just like media for us, like goes straight from the way of content, the different formats, all that kind of stuff. Uh, at least for me, when nowadays, like people are announcing like video game adaptations to movies that most of them hasn't had like the best results. Uh, and now one of the latest news is like The Last of Us, like being adapted by HBO and having the original characters okay. like Joel and Ellie. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, oh yeah, I'm gonna you, you want to here. Wanna... here. Okay. I don't think Red Dead Redemption 2 should have a movie adaptation. Last of Us should have been a movie from the get-go. Last of Us has no... I'm sorry, that's my opinion. Like, like The Last of Us is a good game. It would have been such a better as a TV show from the get-go. Last of Us, like, the worst parts of Last of Us are the parts you're playing a video game. Where, but, which is the opposite. Like, like, the thing is, mm. this is kind of a game design thing, but the reason why I think Red Dead doesn't need to be a movie and shouldn't be a movie is because the game subtly gets you to care about Arthur Morgan through gameplay. The game never forces you to do anything. But, hey, if you do some camp chores and hang out with campmates, you get a few extra points. You don't need to do that to progress a story, but you can do that if you want the extra points. And that freedom of liberty... And encouraging the player to do something that gets them more interested in the story, but not forcing them, is what makes Red Dead 2 work so well. It's because you feel like it was your choice to hang out with your virtual campmates, so when there's a whole betrayal act, you feel it more. Because you chose to spend time with them instead of going to town and killing people or hunting for money. You chose to spend time with these people instead of like what The Last of Us does, which is the game is completely railroaded and it forces you. Like There's no choice. There's no liberty there's no player liberty you're on tracks the whole time and for, for that regard thinking about it as a like as an open world game that has all these choices right i just think like the last of us as a whole like maybe you don't agree with the whole gameplay how it, and how the game develops uh from the beginning to the end right but i just think like that story has been told like i, I just don't think 
HBO should retell it because even even though if, if they retell it, like they have less time to develop these characters and get attached. As you were saying, like us as players, we get to have control of these characters, whether you like it or not. Like even if you don't have choices, like as you're saying, like to spend your time here and there doing these activities, doing these mini games. Like still, you spend pretty much like 50 hours, 60 hours with these characters. So whether you like it or not, like there's a lot of people that get attached to these characters, like Joe and Ellie. So like I just think it's just rehearsing some material. I think yeah, no. At this point, no, the be... game exists. Now the game is exists. Yeah. There's no reason to do it unless they're doing like about different characters. Last of Us is an existing game. There's yeah. no point. But my thing is, if we could get back, could go back in the past, and I Arthur was given a choice. Hey, do you want Last of Us to be a video game or a movie? Or a show, a TV show. Let's go a TV show because it's longer format. There's like you, you can reach 60 hours of a TV show to get attached to a character. So let's say I have the choice of doing a movie or a video game for us, or a, a TV show or a video game for Last of Us. I'll say TV show, and I'm gonna do the same thing for all those Naughty Dog games because all those games are like the gameplay of the game, the game part of it is the bad part. Like, you, I love the story. Like Again, as generic as Last of Us is, the performances are great, the characters are good, and I love seeing them on screen. Every time I'm forced to do a stupid stealth section that is not fun, it's not original, it's not entertaining, I stop playing the game. And that's my well, issue with Last of Us. You, you agree that, like, quoting the dude from The Big Lebowski is just kind of like your opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. It's my opinion. But... So, like, just, just but talking, it's... like, not, not from present time, not going into the past. Like, I, I just think it will be more interesting, like, having new characters or a new, or seeing, like, the Fireflies, something like that from mm -hmm. that universe, like, play out in a series, you know? Instead of, like, seeing something that, one, if they start changing it, like, people are going to get pissed off. And second, like, if we're going to see just, like, pretty much what we saw in the game that is pretty much photorealistic, like, then... There is no point. Like, we already have seen it, right? Yeah, and we have seen on The Walking Dead as well, because it's not that original of a story. <laughs> and the thing, by the, re the reason why it was good is because Ellie, specifically, and Joel are great characters that, although not original, their performances and the way they're developed sells them pretty well. Didn't need to be a video game, though. And it doesn't deserve Game of the Year awards. I'm sorry, for everyone that says The Last of Us, one of the best games of all times, it's not. It's a great TV show that they sold you in a video game disc. It's what it is, and I'm sorry. Well, have you have you played Arizona? a way out? A way out. Okay, so there we go. Let's go. A way out is a no, video okay, game no, that uh, has like, to be a video Arthur, game. I have played. Yes or no? Yeah. Yep. And a way out has well, like, to be a video game. Yeah, like at the end of the day, like that was intended to be a movie. It would have been a shitty movie. It became a video game, and it's a freaking awesome video game to play. In but that's the but... difference. A way out. The way the uh, the way a way out is developed, and the way the gameplay works. The whole the game design of that game makes you be more attached to the characters and to the teamwork you develop by solving the puzzles with your friend. So when you have the banger at the end of the game where you fight each other, the gameplay complemented that and got you attached to that. Last of Us doesn't do that. Because the way out, the puzzles are interesting, and they get you to get attached to characters. Last of Us does but not I, do that. Like A Way Out is a perfect but, example of something that had to be a video game, and worked so well as a video game. I just think, like, if you're in that same vein of opinion, like, then the new God of War should also be a movie and not, like, a video game, from your opinion. To an extent. Because it's, a, extent. it's a single shot, like, you don't get to choose where you spend most of your time. 
you're taking care of a kid just like you're doing actually with no you do have some choice like, in the god of war that do attach him more to the kid you have the option to explore with him or you have the option to do side missions with him which are all optional and also there's a big thing that with the new god of war the gameplay is pretty good and it's something that's like it's a mixture of a number of different games that makes it some it's unique not, its own way and not it's pretty repetitive no dude I, again i think the gameplay that you go for especially with the, the axe you can call the x max do different combos you can use different powers and it's not just dumb stealth section after dumb stealth section there is enemy variety there's a lot of scenery variety which describes that last of us still has but like the enemies in Last of Us are pretty repetitive, which I don't think it's the case of God of War, with the exception of the one boss you see every time. They're like actual like enemies you fight. They're different. You have to use different weapons against them. It gets you like more involved in the combat than Last of Us ever did, because Last of Us is just dumb shooting sections where weapons don't feel like fun to shoot, and stealth segments which are not interesting at all. Okay, so just to see from your perspective, Arthur, so. You always fuck it up in stealth section. No, game. no, because I love like, Splinter Cell. I love Splinter Cell. It's one of my favorite game series of all time. It's good stealth. Last of Us is boring stealth. It's not well-developed stealth mechanics. It's throw a glass over there. It's Far Cry stealth. But Far Cry has good gunplay, which makes up for it. Last of Us doesn't have good gunplay to make up for. So you're not good in stealth section. Like, that's what you're saying. And that's why you like Doom Watch guys play and stuff? ripping apart everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I love Splinter Cell. Dude, I love... I beat Metal Gear on the hardest difficulties. I love stealth games. That's why I dislike Last of Us. It, it relies so heavily on stealth sections that are not good. Like I think Stafford had something to say to back me up. Or at least to kill, kill, my, comp <laughs> you, you kill my opinion. You need a backup, huh? <laughs> Hey, team up, you know? Arrest Away effort. Out. Effort. <laughs> no, it's... It, it, it's not... Say it! There... I, I feel pretty strong... Like, The Last of Us, I feel pretty strongly, is a good game. I think that... There is an element of you controlling Joel as a character, that even though it is fairly linear... There, I think there's still an element of you controlling that character that makes the story more personal. Um, I am personally a big fan of, of role-playing, as you've gathered, and that includes in video games, for the reason that it gives you more direct control and the character becomes yours. So obviously a, a more like straightforward kind of game like that didn't wasn't like my favorite game of all time. But I can understand where people are coming from. It's a well-crafted story, and I think you being in Joel's shoes for it, uh, having that personal connection as the player to his his character and his struggles, I think is pretty instrumental to it. And I don't think that would quite translate the same in a film. So stuck on that. Doctor. See, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just play too many <laughs> video games. But like every time, I I I I play the whole Last of Us game. I did not connect to Joel at any point. Because the way the game is designed, I could like, you know, like when Neo is seeing the Matrix and he's seeing how things are designed and he just sees the numbers. That's how I felt doing stealth segments and like combat segments in Last of Us. Like I could see how the game designer wanted me to do the encounter by the way the map was designed and the weapons were placed and the, the distractions were placed. Oh, yeah. Like there was a clear path. Like even on the combat of that game, 
there was a clear path that the game designer intended you to follow by the design of the map and the weapons and the way they place distractions and like red barrels on the map and the way the enemies move towards those things like it made it more cinematic feel but it's a problem like video games are trying too hard to be cinema and last of us is one of those cases of a video game that tried too hard to be cinema that it just should have been cinema but but i don't think like video games are trying to be cinema like or like they they are incorporating did you see that they cast no, keanu no, no. reeves on no, the no, video no, game wait, right? like <laughs> they, they, they are trying to to incorporate like something from from cinema like i'm not saying that doesn't happen but it's like it's also saying like having series like game of thrones and like series from nowadays that have more like a cinematic feel like more bfx more um structure kind of like arcs and more like fleshy flashy stuff like it's like, oh, well, TV is now trying to be cinema. And it's, it's not. like It's just like it's evolving and it's taking some aspect from another media uh, perception. Look, I, and it just look, makes I it better. I promise you, know? you like, if any of the writers of The Last of Us had gotten a paycheck from HBO to make it a TV show, they would have made it a TV show in the first place. Like, yeah, but it's just like, like, like a if scenario, right? Like, it's, it's, it's a thing, right? Like, it's... Video games are, in my opinion, if I want a linear experience, I'm going to go watch a movie. If I, if I want to do something where I have no input and I have no say on how it goes, I'm going to watch a movie or a TV show. When I'm playing... But you have control issues. Sorry? That's what you're saying. You have control issues. Like, I think <laughs> what the, I'm saying is if I'm going to spend like 60 hours on a... But, Hit, but Hitman is a game for you. No, Hitman, Hitman, you have a lot of control. You can do whatever you want. You have freedom. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a good yeah, game. Hitman is a puzzle game. It's a, Hitman's a lovely game series. I love Hitman. But that's what I'm saying. If I'm going to spend like 80 hours, 60 hours, 20 hours, whatever it is, playing a video game, give me some control of it, dude. Let me like, if you want me to stand here pressing keys, don't make me your hired monkey that I'm going to press the X key at the X time because you, game designer, want me to. Let me press the X key whenever I see fit and whenever I think it's good. Because that's going to make me feel like a bigger part of the experience, which is why I love Red Dead Redemption 2 so much. The game never forces me to do the extra things of doing the extra missions that humanize Arthur Morgan, of like cutting well, wood no, in the camp to build a campfire. The game never forces you to do that. You do that for extra points. But it points. forces you to the story missions, right? But I have the, uh, but like the character building parts of the game. That makes you more attached to said story missions. I have the option of doing them or not. You have the option of going fishing with Javier Escuela and getting to know his character better and becoming better friends with him. You have the option of hanging out with Dutch or with Josea before the bank robbery happens. It's a thing, right? I had an experience with the game because I did all those things and I felt betrayed by the end of it because, like, even though I knew the betrayal was coming, I was like, dude, I like these characters. I hanged out with them by my choice. I chose to spend time with them. Where my friend, who just blazed through the story, he made the choice of not interacting with those characters. And for him, he felt like a bit like, oh, I didn't, never liked them in the first place. The betrayal didn't hit me. That duality of two different experiences is the beauty of video games for me. Like, two wildly different experiences because someone chose to do some things and someone chose to do different things. You know? But but I think that's that's where we differ. And I think that's okay. Like, you, you prefer more of that, like freedom or more like a freeform experience of video games while like i think me and stafford we agreed that for example the last of us is like a satisfactory like and even a hard uh, heart wrenching experience where you can get attached to the characters even though you don't have the whole control like i cannot put like joel in a clown suit or something i cannot customize it that way but at the end of the day like just because the story 
and the the time you spend with these characters like you get attached to them and 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 you can say like that's not a fact but even though you say it like there's a lot of people and yeah like i i get your point that you don't have like these many options to uh go around and play with these characters customize them like you cannot put like a clown suit on joel uh or ellie or something like that but i think there's like a really um like a sentiment of love towards the last of us that maybe stafford can agree with that uh and that's why like the last of us 2 is really expected you know because people want to see still like the journey for ellie and yeah, like I just think it's an amazing game. Like even if it's linear, it doesn't has to. Be, it doesn't become a bad game as a whole. See, I know it's my opinion, but I think that's dumb. I think well, watch the movies. Go <laughs> watch the movies. You know, like you're gonna it's twenty hours of <laughs> watching Joel and Ellie. Like, and it's so it's. Uh, not gonna say it's so easy to fix because I just I almost said that, but it's like give me like maybe put a side mission where if I find something on the map, I can give it to Ellie. Like, uh, Walking Dead did with Clementine. The game was mostly on rails, but you had the option to look like for candy for Clementine, for batteries for a radio. Like you, you could like interact with the world a bit to like a further relationship with Mass Effect. Again, it's an RPG game; it's a bit different, but still, you have the option of talking with every character, getting to know them better. But you can just ignore them completely and play the game, and it's going to be a different game if you ignore them completely. The Last of Us is going to be the same game regardless of what you do, and video games are supposed to be interactive. I'm supposed to feel like I'm part of the story. I'm supposed to be like, I'm having an impact on the story by playing this game. And that's not the feeling I get at all of Last of Us. I feel like if I was just watching someone else play the game, the game would end up the same. Like, it, it, like watching someone play The Last of Us and playing The Last of Us, for me, it's the same experience. In fact, I'll even go farther than that. I'll say watching someone play The Last of Us is better than playing The Last of Us. Because then you don't have to deal with the stupid stealth sections that the game forces well, upon you. That's your opinion. But uh, to talking talking about your opinion, like, as a, like just... Uh, so we can wrap up like Doom, <laughs> that this whole thing that got so deviated. Uh, so is, is it uh, ethical, just lady? Actually, no. So there's no yes or no. There's no yes or no. No, there's yes no, no yes or no. There's no yes or no to that. Yes or no. Question. Yes or no. That, here's the thing. It like, depends. I, I need the I need a soundbite. Uh, context for demons depends on what you believe demons are. Because if you believe that like demons are fallen angels or are made of pure evil then the ethics becomes a little bit easier to reconcile but if you believe that they are simply intelligent creatures whose morals and standards deviate so wildly from our own similar mind you to christopher columbus coming to the u.s the ethics and morals mm -hmm. of different cultures if you simply believe that they're oh, another fuck. culture, that has oh, different God. ethics and morals than our own, but those are the ethical standards of their culture, then Doom Guy showing up and murdering all of them is Christopher Columbus. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. I, 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 I think I think that should be. I got, I got, we got a title right here. Yeah. Doom Guy is, is is Doom Guy Christopher Columbus? Here's the answer. Uh... Is it ethical, Rodrigo? Do you think it's ethical to kill demons? In the Doom universe, yeah, like for sure. <laughs> like I don't see it like a Stafford in a in a let's rationalize demons and like let's let's have a a coffee table and just like hey, so I think we can agree to disagree. You can eat my brain and I can just let it happen. You know, like I I think that wouldn't work that way. 
but that's different opinions, right? Uh, and, and I want to know your opinion, Arthur. Like, just as a whole, Doom Eternal is a good to go. Is like I'll I'll have to wait and just uh, let it get to a discount. Uh, uh, people if you get like it? Doom, if you like Doom, get Doom. If you, if you like 2016, get Eternal. 26 Eternal is 2016 on steroids. Mm. And as we all know, steroids Hold are good to go. If you're not doing steroids, you're a loser. And we don't have Doom Eternal. Arthur Arthur's opinion doesn't reflect Shingo Media's opinion as a whole. Like I, I just need to say it. Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal is Doom 2016 on steroids, and it's so good. And to answer my own question, is it ethical to kill demons? Hell yes, brother. Especially if you have a chainsaw and a super shotgun with a chain. You'd be irresponsible to not go out there and slay as many demons possible. And I think we can tie this down to the next topic. A good demon is a dead demon. <laughs> From Demon Slayer to another Demon Slayer. Um, we were talking about anime at, at this... Uh, beautiful podcast mm -hmm. uh japanese animation yeah uh th th there was topic. a talk between us uh here in chingot media the other day just like uh in the chingot offices in the chingot offices like uh far away from each other uh in this quarantine <laughs> on a social distance chingot office it's like it's like the the room in yep. uh avengers where nick fury talks with all the government leaders mm -hmm. yeah pretty much there's like a, a bunch of huge computers and they're like shadowy figures that's how we talk to each other we <laughs> uh, have like shadows on us and like voice modifiers never know who's saying what <laughs> and everybody getting confused like who is who right uh yeah and, and yeah like so, as Arthur pointed out, like, when we were confused about who we are and, like, we were just, like, rambling about something, uh, it just came to the conclusion or we came to the topic that anime seems to getting, like, some really uh, good backup or is getting more mainstream as a whole. Because before, like, there was, like, this conception that, like, if you watch anime, like, you're this otaku guy that doesn't, like, watch yourself and just, like... Which is true. You're a virgin and all that kind of shit, like... That is not true. And, like, <laughs> and we all know that's like the ultimate truth. No, right? If you watch anime, you you. I will know, punch you through the computer. If you if you you are gonna uh, get us sued. So <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need that kind of stress. Uh, but I think like just like ignoring Arthur about that. Uh, <laughs> I think also. Um, not Hollywood as a whole, but the industry has noticed, like, there's a really good market, not just in Japan, but, like, in the world as a whole for anime, and that's why, uh, streaming services, just like Netflix, has, like, put a bet on it, this kind of content. That's why we have Castlevania, that, um, has been renewed for a fourth season, uh, and it's a fucking amazing show. We have Beastars, recently, that also caused, like, a whole uproar, and, uh... We discussed this like the other day in the recommendations from the podcast that Taffer was saying it's like a furry show, but it, it was also kind of like, sure, but it's kind of like bringing furries to a mainstream in like a different kind of scenario that is not the usual like anime, furby, hentai, uh, furry scenario, you know? So like, it's just like, a mistake. Uh, it's kind of evolving and it's kind of like trying to appeal to the masses. So Arthur, I know you have a big opinion against anime like just lay out no I, actually i don't <laughs> so i like shitting on anime because i think it's funny I, I love shitting on anime because i think it's funny it's not my type of media i have nothing against whoever watches anime but, yeah, you do whatever makes you feel happy and good i like them i like the fast movies 
I like dumb things too. You know, it's okay to like dumb things. I love dumb things all the time. I like the Fast series. I think anime is just dumb. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. I, every time I tried to watch an anime, I couldn't take it seriously. And <laughs> But I think that's the... the fan, and, and honestly, true to God, the fan base has kind of turned me off a lot. And it's just not for me, dude. And I, I love making fun of it. Okay, but... And it's not for me. I, I have, like, two questions for you. Like, first of all, like, what, what is the thing that turned you off from the format or, like, the content from it? It's the style that most like like not all like again no not all animes are the same. They all have different styles, but like you know how like French cinema has kind of a style to it because like you see a French movie and you know it's a French movie. Anime has that as well. Really long takes, really awkward close-ups on characters, really cheap animation some of them, and I really dislike most of the anime plot lines, like most of them that I've watched. Give, the shy nerd give an example conquest the shy nerd who conquests the big boobed lady he's in love with by being a hero by finding the power within him but he's still like a shy awkward creepy dude at the end of it like i feel like a lot of the anime i see especially the mainstream ones and i'm not again not saying all animes like this but the mainstream ones there's a lot of like creepy cell like behavior in some of them like the whole like bleeding nose when they're horny because they see big boob girls well, or like that so I've, I've, got so I've got a few things i've got two things i'm good two main, you know main, I, but main you know what one if you like that cultural thing which is that a lot of those a lot of the behaviors and activities and stuff in anime are a cultural representation of a of a different culture of a japanese culture instead of a uh, traditional like North American culture, like a Hollywood culture would would sort of represent. Um, the other one is that you're watching the wrong anime. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been told that. I've been told that. Just for context, the animes yeah, I have watched mm-hmm. watched the first half season of Naruto. I watched a few a season of Bakugan back in the day. Mm-hmm. I watched oh, uh, mm-hmm. first episode of Bleach. Watched the first episode of Death Note. I wa I read the manga Blue Exorcist, the first volume of Blue Exorcist, the manga. And what else? I think that's oh well, yeah, and Sen- Senseiya. I watched Senseiya. Watched one scene of Hunter Hunter, which was like yeah, that's definitely not what I like. What what and... which, which scene from Hunter Hunter? Because right now I'm... Uh, the one the, the the one where a kid punches a clown in a battle and a kid jumps and cracks a concrete floor and that's the other thing i'm not a big fan of the trope of the kid hero like harry potter i'm also not a big fan of the harry potter series because i'm not a big fan of the hero kid trope i'm not i don't like it i i know that we have like a a title for this episode with the whole doom guy being christopher columbus but also can can be this episode can be called like shit that arthur doesn't like you know That, that's I don't like I don't like a lot of things, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of that trope. And when I saw Hunter Hunter, this like 13 year old beat up like 30 year old dressed as a clown, I was like, yeah, that's not my kind of content, you know? That's kind of not my thing. And I dropped it. <laughs> and yeah, and the cultural difference is 100% stuff. Or like, uh, yeah, I, mm, I don't like it, you know. I I don't. I think it's the creepies. I I don't know. Like the thing is, like I, I'm noticing like a pattern. Every time that we get in the podcast, that you have this conception that, like, for example, comic book have to be dumb. 
and like now anime has to be dumb and like some video game no, has no, to be dumb you no, know no. and that's like no, the biggest no, no. like general expression that you have for like this outlet of media th- so let's be real a lot of things a lot of things are dumb comic books are stupid <laughs> let's be real here and man you're, you're so is anime so is fast i don't think anime. anime has to be dumb but Thank you, Stafford. Again, differently than com- I, I think. Well, the, I think comic books, as comic the books. essence of it, are dumb. That's I do think that. I don't think it's the case for animes, but most animes are dumb. But animes don't have to be dumb. Okay, I can say name an anime like that three off dumb. the top of my head, dog. Uh, uh, it's not. It's it's, it's it, it. Does it have to be Eastern? Can it be a Western anime? Because that that's one I love. That's Western anime. You can say that, but you can you you also have to say one that is Japanese. So you can mend up with I, with your other fucking sh- comments. So <laughs> I haven't watched a, something that I like from Japan yet, but like I think uh, Last Airbender is a great it's anime. It's anime inspired. It's anime inspired. <laughs> Pure silence. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the reaction I was waiting for. Yeah, it's, it's crickets. It's yeah, no, I think it's like, uh, uh, Last Airbender, the Legend of Aang. But that, like, is... so, but I have a question. Like you're saying, you hate the 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 kid trope. And like Ang is a fucking kid in that you know in that series. But as it's well. so well done. It's okay. So sorry. Let me correct it. I hate the kid trope when the kid is a fucking badass. I like you know like Star Wars Rebels. The first season, Ezra is like an unbelievable badass who defeats all the adult characters. That's what I don't like. I like the kid trope when a kid acts like a kid and is a kid. When the, when the kid hero is a kid who has the problems a regular kid would have, I think it's really well done and interesting. But Last I, Airbender I, I, has I that. Doesn't, do, doesn't have like a regular like he has to fucking free all the nations from the Fire Nation. Like what does like? But there's a like, build up still, to no, it with him like when he's just a dumb kid one, learning. Dog. There's like he's seasons of build up to it instead of just. But that's the thing. Anime has kid. that as well. He's. I don't know, dude. Uh, uh, um. Especially since you were shitting on Hunter Hunter, like Hunter X Journey and Killua's Journey, that's the whole thing. Like you just watch, for example, from what you're saying, you're watching like episode like 50 something from the arc when when they're like facing against like these fucking guys in the arena. Like that's like 50 episodes in. Like you haven't even yeah. watched like how they begin. Like and that, they're that fucking show is at the slow point. as hell. At the so beginning, it makes sense. Like, like there's an evolution. Moves, like the build up is, in my opinion, almost too much in the beginning of Hunter X Hunter, man. Like, yeah, it's pretty. Like, it's pretty slow at the beginning, but then like the payoff when you see like the whole NEM system and like how power works in that uh, in that specific universe, like it's so fucking like genius. Like it's genius at best. I'll take a word for it. Again, I'm, like yeah, even with that, I'm not really interested into getting into Hunter x Hunter because comes the other issue. Those things have like two hundred. A thousand, like what? What's a uh, One Piece at now? A thousand episodes? No, no it's nine hundred and something. Oh right, it's my bad. I thought it was over a thousand. <laughs> like it's too many episodes to get into as well. Was my thing. Like, well, it's which, not. Which is why, like, when you said, "Oh, Castlevania is an anime and is like short," I was like, "Oh, okay, you know what? I'm gonna get into it because like I, I can knock that down in the afternoon." First season, that's like, like nine hundred episodes. I'm like, I'm not. Not gonna spend 900 episodes watching an anime. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, I think that's also another misconception because, like, sure, if it was like there's some animes that have gone for far too long, like Detective. I, I don't know, like the whole name, Detective something. Uh, that is about a little kid that is also a, a detective or that, some kind of shit. But like, if you're shitting, like, man, I'm a freaking One Piece fan. Like, you, you cannot say like those 900 are not one of the greatest thing ever. Like, even when you're seeing like. 
at this point like 967 or something like that that we're at this point like there's things that you can see from the really early on episodes or like halfway through the series like the 300s and the 400s and it just enriches the whole world you know like the world building like the whole system of power is, is fucking great like and, and also i think that's a, a uh something that is amazing from anime like that sets it apart from a lot of other media outlets like it it creates these scenarios or it creates these situations that you couldn't see in a tv show like and also it hypes you up like for example like just to pull parallels like for game of thrones before it went to shit like there was this expectation of like oh we're going to have like this fucking awesome battle between like Jon snow and the night king and then like that didn't happen and even before even if it happened like it wouldn't be that epic as everybody was like uh thinking because there's this stunt involved uh there's a lot of cutaways involved while in anime you can watch like two of your greatest characters that you're hyped from the very first episode go at it for like 10 fucking minutes in an episode and it's like really re rewarding you know because you, you can see power levels the scales like it just becomes like kind of like you that you're like really into role-playing games like is if you were building your own character and then you face to another uh, player and has been hyped up for the whole game you know yeah, but like you brought up another thing that I'm not a big fan of. I don't like the immense power scale that some animes have. I think specifically with Dragon Ball, how like there's always another Super Saiyan level Goku can go to. There's another God level. There's another power he can do. There's another power to destroy. He's like three planets instead of two. Like when a characters are that strong, I I lose interest because they're like oh they're just gods now. And I feel like some of like these like power scale of some of these animes is just like it's all turned off for me. I think that's different because, like, for me, like, I get it. If you go for overpowered characters, like, sure, it, it's kind of boring. Except if it's, if it's something like One Punch Man that deviates from that kind of stuff. Which and is it's satire, like... which is supposed to be super strong to satirize a whole genre. Well, yeah, but at the end of the day, like, it, like it's, it's getting to that point that, that you're saying. Like, it's getting to, like, a 200 episode, at least in the manga, it's getting to a 200 episode. And it keeps interesting because, like, now... Saitama, like the main guy, is not the. It's kind of like not the protagonist. It's like the people surrounding mm -hmm. him are the people that are scaling to get to that level, or just like, uh, kind of like aspiring to get to that level, you know. And that's which why people a, get attached to it. Which is a good way of making a story like that when you have a character with so much power that he doesn't have anything interesting that can face him. Make him a side character. I think yeah. that's actually a really smart way I of think, doing it. I think after like the second or third episode in the in the anime too, it basically you see him at the beginning, so you know what he's doing, and then you see him at the end when he saves the day, and then basically the point is in between. Base, frankly, the the robot guy becomes the main character. Like oh yeah, no, yeah, becomes, he becomes pretty much yeah, like the main yeah, guy. Um, see, that's a really smart way of do of, of, of going around the issue, right? But but also like you criticizing like Dragon Ball and Goku, like uh, I think. Sure, there's an argument to that because even like Dragon Ball fans, like we can tell you like Goku is not one of the m favorite guys from the series. Even though he's the protagonist, like most people root for people like Vegeta that is like more, I need to train and I need to become stronger. And like he has more like a realistic mindset uh, and he's a more developed character. But it's, it's different from Superman. Like Superman, like pretty much like he can take a booger and he can like kill you by like throwing you that same booger. But, like, Goku, like, every time he faces somebody, is somebody even stronger, you know? So, like, there's, like, this uh, confrontation or is this, uh, like, he can 
he needs to up himself even further than the level he has gotten that has gotten ridiculous but it's just like how how far you need to go you know yeah but like that's like that's for me is like the star wars problem which is every force user has to be stronger than the last one so let's have this one pull a starship from orbit and throw it on the ground you know i feel like when a character is like oh they need to get stronger because the villain got stronger and like it becomes like, kind of like an arms race for power and yeah, and like I this think power it's creep. A, I, it's a I really think, interesting trope. I don't like it. it. It's my opinion, but I don't like that trope. Because, oh, he's just more powerful now. Now he's going to throw a planet at him. Oh, now Superman's going to throw Zod through a building. Oh, they're going to punch a moon out now. Like, oh, and again, man, there's so there's so many anime that don't... Like, the thing is, basically everything you're describing is shown in anime, which is one very, yeah, very much. specific genre of anime. In and anime. That, the thing is, it appeals to certain types of people. But frankly, a lot of people raise a lot of people who are huge fans of anime raise the exact same uh, points you do. But instead of saying "oh, all anime," they say "oh, this is why I don't enjoy shonen anime," right? Like, yeah, I I don't because particularly even, like, enjoy shows... most oh, shonen sorry, anime. No, oh, that's fine. I was just gonna say like I'm one of those people. Most shonen anime doesn't really appeal to me for exactly the reasons you've just pointed out. I find it very silly how like Goku just constantly kind of always gets stronger. But then I watch things like Black Butler is a really good example of another another anime where there's a character that is ridiculously powerful who's not the main character and has to deal with basically the main character being weak and frail and also being the main character but has this like super powerful character that like I got to say I'm going to sidetrack myself here but that show in particular <laughs> They're, like the relationship between the main character and this side character is so beautifully well done. It ties in because the, the side character is a demon. So there we go. There's our tie-in with Doom Eternal. Um, yeah. And, like, so in that ending, case, is yeah, it ethical so to kill demons? Um, I'm not going to spoil <laughs> the end of that story. <laughs> I'm yes. Yeah, don't worry about it. But, but, yeah, like I just think like you 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 could enjoy anime but there's like different genre like for example I, I have heard that you you know about berserk and berserk is one of the greatest stories ever yeah and that berserk is too rapey <laughs> there's too much rape on berserk and i like my fantasy worlds with a little bit less graphic rape if i have to say so myself well i don't think it's like like rape is not like the focus of berserk like it happens like i'm not going to say it doesn't happen i i'm i'm, I'm up to date with the manga and all the adaptation that they have done but i just think like they use it as uh, well it, it's just like a cruel adaptation from the medieval world meshing it with the a fantasy world see i don't think any medieval world had a, a talking horse that tried to rape a woman no but like that horse is possessed by a demon right yeah but <laughs> so like, i just it, think i just think it plays with the whole cruel narrative of like some people have to endure some pain that you, for example, as a male, you don't have to endure it. And it's not like glorifying it. It's just like it's an atrocious thing. And like people, if they're doing that in, in the internet where they're like uh, showcasing it as something, I don't know, like pervy or something, like those guys are fucked up. But I'm pretty sure like the intent is not for people to be like masturbating or jacking off to like the I mean, force trying to rape a woman. Yeah, but like it's, I don't know, I think it's just too graphic. Like I feel like, for example, rape scenes in movies, if they're not well done and if they're not like. Rape scenes should not be done in movies unless they need to be done and they need to be really well done. 
Otherwise, it just comes out of as gratuitous. And like Berserk, again, all I've seen from Berserk is the the, the eclipse eclipsing. I think with Griffin. Yeah, the eclipse. That's how they saw the eclipse scene, which I thought was gratuitous. And the rape horror scene, which I agree with you. I didn't think. I think it was just like a world building, weird world building, but world building. But like the whole thing with Griffith uh, raping the the main female character on the eclipse was like, oh, that's too. Fu- that's why. Well, and... that that's that's because like, and that's why I think the argument that Stafford is saying of like you should watch like something from the beginning to end, even if if it's not the whole thing, like you're something that appeals to you. Yeah, like, but I don't want to watch something context. that ends with one of the main characters getting raped, you know? Uh, that's just a bit, so, of, a bit of a downer well, for me. But <laughs> it, it's part of the story, you know? Like, it, it's the... And, and also, like... The, the, the point, because the thing is, the, part the, of. Point of that, the point of that scene is is the context of what's going on. It is... The thing is, it is a very graphic scene, and, it, and the show received a lot of flack, frankly, and not necessarily all misplaced flack for doing it. And it's why the, the re-release, like, the of, of the series... Uh, removed the, or I should say, played down the graphicness of the scene. But the point of it, the point, the reason that the scene is there, is is because you're you're watching this struggle now that that's this tension that's been building up between guts and and Griffin. Now suddenly Griffin falling to this lowest possible point and guts having to like rise to to fight him and having and like being surrounded the murder of everybody like it's it's literally taking this character that has been uh this this hero this put on a on a pedestal this greatest character and bringing that character down to the absolute lowest worst point that they could be making them the worst absolute villain and and, and also i think like there's a sexual tension between the three of them yeah but don't you think it's also like cheap shock factor like that's how i see nah. it if, if if it's not like again if it's not well done most like sexual harassment scene in movies and rape scene in movies come off of you. I get but, what you're trying to get. I get to show Griffin at his lowest point. There are other ways you can do that. But because, like, like if you, that, if you're defaulting that, to this. If this is your default, I I feel like there's a lack of creativity there. I don't think it's so. Like, easy, it's the easiest way out. I I think like if you watch any rape scene, like even from a movie, and you don't see the context, like you can say it's cheap. Like, but specifically you're talking about Berserk, like there's. A build up to that, like there's a reason why it happened, like so it, it's just not cheap shots, you know, like it's just like you need to read the story to understand. So I, I can't say I know all but it berserk, but I did I, I got pretty interesting. I follow some guys that are really big an anime fans, so I heard of the eclipse and I read I uh, basically I saw that I mean Griffith did nothing wrong and I delved deeper on that rabbit hole. And all the way back in the day, when I first watched the eclipse scene, I read the whole background to it. Of the Eclipse Cult, of what they did with Griffin, why, why it was happening. And uh, to be honest with you, that was years ago. I don't remember anymore. But no, no I knew the context back then. And I, my reply was still, yeah, other, we could, there were other ways around. You could have done that. You know, there were other ways. Like, this feels a bit fetishized. And like Goblin Slayer, like just like thinking off the Berserk a bit. I think God, the, the biggest offender of that for me is Goblin Slayer. Like, what? Not, the, not the anime. But the manga itself, they, they have a rape scene right at the beginning of the manga. It, and also the way, has, like, it also has it in the anime. Yes, but on the manga, the way it's drawn, it's gratuitous. Like, it's drawn, instead of being, like, it's, again, all about framing. Instead of being framed as something horrific and bad, 
it's drawn in a sexy, appealing way. The the anime doesn't do that. The scene on the anime is a lot better. It's a lot more for the but context the- of it. It, it. Like it's a lot better contextualized and a lot better drawn. On the manga, when I read, it, I was like, "Oh, that, this guy's jerking off while writing, was doing this drawing." Because like this is too sexual. Like it was almost like Rule Thirty Four ish. But do you think like that? That was the intent, or that was like your perception? Because I think that's different. No, because the the anime had a really like the scene was the, like the same context, but the way it was drawn was different. Which replied, okay, this is something horrific. But also, but like, like you have to take into account that it's, it's on there are different formats, right? So while in the anime, like they can build it up with music, go away, took her face, use the shadows, all that kind of stuff. Like he, this guy on his manga, he 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 just had like one page, five panels to explain that shit. Yeah, but he drawn like a rule thirty four image, which for he you. shouldn't have done. No, no, he wrote no, not for me. He drawn like a rule that he has all the takes of a what a rule thirty four erotica would have. He I drawn bring, like it was an erotica, and I'm like, now you were glorifying it, and I don't like it. Well, and credit credit where credit's due to the anime. The anime doesn't do that. The anime is a lot different on that scene specifically. I've got. I mean, I, I do share. I do share on some level the sentiment that there are. I mean, there are a lot of anime that have a lot of issues with over sexualizing female characters. Like I really I I don't disagree that there are a lot of anime that do that. Um it happens. It's definitely a thing. It, it happens frankly in in a lot, in a lot of them. And and you have to take care to kind of avoid that uh particular particular I guess genre, right? Like that that style, right? Like you have to it, it takes effort, but there are quite a few out there that don't sexualize their characters. That's what I'm saying, you know? And, Stafford, I, I think I know where you're going with this, that there are probably animes that I would enjoy. And I agree. I am interested in giving a chance of a Robo Box, a boxing one, where they have cyberpunk arms. I'm interested on that one. I'm going to give that one a try. And I'm sure there are probably some anime out there that is something I like. But most mainstream stuff that has been recommended to me, I've been like, eh, no. And I'm sure there's going to be one or other, one or two, for me, more than that, there's something that is out there in the anime world that is for me. I just never found it, and I don't think I really cared to. You know, I'm gonna give uh, the boxing one a try because that was really interesting. But other than that, I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of anime stuff that kind of like, especially with like all the waifu wars and the fandom things they do, they kind of turned me off to it. I mean, I, you know, I guess I can understand if it's not for you, but just my my suggestion would be to not generalize it all. Under uh, under the banner of all anime is is X Y or Z, because just like anything else, yeah. if I were to look at you and say that all film is um, a bunch of guys Duh. beating each other up uh, and fighting over a woman who's tied to a, a chair or something, I don't know something ridiculous like that, you'd look at me and say, "Well, Stafford, that's a load of shit," and it's this, it's the same thing. So, so here's the other thing. When I say like all anime is dumb, but all like all anime is kid stuff, I'm trying to make a joke out of it. I don't actually believe that. It's the same way of me going, yeah, do steroids. Steroids are for winners, you know. No, I I don't think that's the case at all. And again, I understand that anime is a medium of its own. It's not a genre. It's a medium with genres on it. So you, it's impossible to say, hey, all anime is this. But I see a lot of things in most mainstream animes that I think it's fun to make fun of. And that's kind of what I do. But I, I'm with you. I don't think all anime is the same. 
but there well, are good. some patterns with some of the mainstream stuff. And I think okay. like we can tie this to, like we can tie this together to our next topic, so we don't lose uh, track of time. Talking about fantasy with uh, Goblin Slayer and Berserk, like we can talk about uh, role playing games that most of them rely yes. on fantasy. And how uh, you have a news for us, right, Stafford? So, yeah, sorry to get to the actual uh, talk here. So, uh, yes, um, Fantasy Flight Games recently uh, shut down, or all but shut down, their RPG uh, writing department for, for writing uh, tabletop RPG books, for specifically for their new systems, um, Genesis, uh, the Star Wars RPG, and um, Legend of Five Rings RPGs. And I am and, and for people so like, disappointed. For, for people like me that doesn't know anything, like, wh- why, we sh- why should we know about this company? Like, what have they done? Or, or how does these systems work? Or how can we get, like, invested in this kind of stuff? You know? um, well, that's they're, they're most well-known for um, their board games and card games. Um, they've done several um, trading card-style games. They've done um, a lot of board games. And that's, and that's really kind of what their, their bread and butter is. Um, but then they entered into um, RPGs. I think probably the, the biggest splash they made was when they won the contract to do um, the Star Wars RPG. So Star Wars has, has had an RPG for forever uh, in some form or another. But basically with, with the Disney buyout and the reset on their extended universe, they basically canceled all previous, like all, you know, all previous um uh, tab- like tabletop RPG, licenses? Star Wars things, yeah, all previous licenses, and then uh, there was a bidding war for the contract for um, for the their new, basically the, what would be the new release, and that would all be, I believe, it's all officially considered canon um, because it has come out since after the Disney merger. Um, there's actually not a lot, like it, it is, it is all considered canon, but there's no big info on it. There's not like oh. No main characters involved in those games. It's a yeah, Age of the yeah, Empire of games and the, right, the Rebel right. Alliance games and then the Force and Destiny. Mm-hmm. Right, but it does, they do provide quite Force a bit of Force and Destiny is like, the biggest one that messes with lore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, basically, yeah, they, they won that contract and released some amazing content, some amazing RPGs, um, for just like super innovative stuff. Um and then they, it's, then they took the same kind of dice system that they've come up with that, released Genesis, um, and they've been releasing source books for that. Ba- basically, they they took that and made some really good content with it. Um, went and, into a direction. And for they example, hadn't like uh, in that regard, uh, you as a fan of like role playing games and like this kind of like uh, media, like how big is like this of them shutting down that part of like their business you know like it's kind of like for us if like uh in, in film if i don't know sony shut down their film uh part or or how big like what's the scope you know um i wouldn't uh, say it's quite yeah, it's quite equivalent um just because like i would say if wizards of the coast shut down their rpg department that would be the equivalent of sony shutting down their their rpg department wizards of the coast being the people that make dungeons and dragons dnd um Okay. I feel I feel like for this one, Stafford, if I could, is mm-hmm. is the equivalent of a like Edgar Wright saying I'm don't do movies anymore, because the thing with Fantasy Flight is that they were able to marry two different types of RPGs. 
there is narrative types of RPGs that is like Apocalypse World and all systems powered by the Apocalypse are really a narrative. They don't have a lot of numbers on them. They don't roll the dice a lot on them. It's mostly like single digit numbers because it's more about the narrative than the combat itself. And when they mix that type of system with Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, which are systems which, although are narrative systems, are a lot more combat focused. They have a balance towards combat. They have really in-depth, well-done combat systems with a lot of numbers, a lot of math involved, a lot of like builds to make it the most efficient character. You can min-max in those systems. They mix these two different types of systems and made into one narrative combat system where both work amazingly well, where you can have a really well done and interesting story and have the story lead the content while also having combat encounters that involve some skill and some strategy on them. That was like super fucking deep. Like I didn't expect <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say. No, but, but, but I think like that's the cool thing from, from this podcast, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I mean like uh, as you're kind of like, um, how do I say it? Kind of like you don't see like you didn't see like that scope from anime beforehand that we yes. were explaining to you. Like also from my half, like I, I don't know a lot of uh, role playing games or like how that um, how's that deal, you know? But I've seen mm-hmm. like there's a whole culture about it, and there's also like these uh, Kickstarter campaigns every now and then of like oh I'm making my own uh, tabletop game or I'm making my yes. own uh, RPG game, you know? So like. There's mm. definitely a market for that. So, for you guys to come up and say like one of the w- one prominent uh, company that was doing like RPG, like they shut down their own RPG like branch, mm. like that's fucking yeah. huge, you know? Yeah, I mean, fantasy can play. say a bit about this as well. He, you you DM some fantasy flag like I started yes. DMing with fantasy flag games. I think you you DM some as well, right, Stafford? Yes, I have. Yeah. Amongst They're other things, pretty, yes. like as a DM, they are my favorite DM because. I, I'm a narrative DM. I love guiding the story. So having though the the the, die, the way they work, they have instead of numbers, they have symbol dices that guide the story, but also guide the combat. So it's not all guided by story. The players' skills and their strategies affects them, but it's also really story heavy. And I feel like Stafford, you want to say some more stuff about it? Um, I mean, I guess I guess getting more to like the I could I could go on for hours about uh, mm-hmm. tabletop role playing. Um, but specifically getting to like the the kind of point at hand of what does what does this sort of mean for um for larger i guess media right like a fantasy flight game okay. shutting down this department what is what is that kind of what are the what are the repercussions of that what does it mean um you know i i was really really excited by everything fantasy flight did because it was so uh innovative on such a large scale Fantasy Flight, uh, Paizo, and Wizards of the Coast have always kind of been, or I shouldn't say have always, have recently become known as kind of the big three uh, companies involved in role-playing and in, and in tabletop gaming. They're kind of the big three names, the big three companies that, that um, put out really high-quality stuff consistently and have large um, you know, employee, employee bases to, to be constantly kind of doing this. And Fantasy Flight Games, between the two of them, or between the three of them, in my opinion, Fantasy Flight Games was the one doing the most innovative work. Um, was coming out with stuff that was changing the rules, that was defying what had been sort of previously considered um, to be like standard. Um, like Arthur mentioned, using symbols on dice instead of numbers. Previously, it's pretty much been 
you can have you can have varying degrees of or varying kind of versions of how your numbers work. But in a lot of ways, it's it's still kind of basically numbers. Even even fate, which uses plus minus or blank, is really still kind of zero one or two in a lot of ways. Um, pretty or, or is, is symbols, but is very simple in its design. So is is certainly innovative, but not anywhere near as complex. And Fantasy Flight was able to take and make a system that was still deeply complex and deeply interesting from a mechanic standpoint, but so devoid of, of that system of, of numbers. And, and a term that's used a lot to describe it would be crunchy, where you're having to crunch numbers. Mm -hmm. You're not having to do, you don't have to do math to play a Fantasy Flight um, RPG, pretty much across the board, uh, which is really innovative. And it's a really, um, I was excited to see what they would come up with. I was excited to see sort of what, what new directions they would take things and to hear that they closed down is almost kind of like a um, a blow to to innovation in in the that industry as a whole. It's almost like wow, these these people really went out on a limb to make something new, and they did it, and it was successful, and it was brilliantly done. But obviously, something but was happening enough. in the background that that they weren't it wasn't making them a profit, right? Um, which is just really that dirty contract must have cost them. And and for example, like I, I hear you're really passionate about this Stafford, and and it, it's really sad that this specific studio that seems like from 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 you guys' opinion, like because I cannot be the one that's saying like, oh yeah, it was so freaking innovative, right? Because I, I I'm you played really a game like, with system, you played no, a game with no, yeah, yeah, system. like yeah, but I I don't have anything to compare to, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I think it was great, like that that game that we played, like it was awesome, but like I don't have anything to compare. But I think like now that we're reaching out the end of our time, uh, I think it will be cool uh, to do a little dynamic between the three of us with the topic that we discussed today. So uh, if you want, like we can start backwards and Stafford, like I think something that is really important of the role playing uh, outlet or the media of role playing is kind of like building a community. Uh, you can do it among friends, among family, kind of like what you do. So for people that right now that cannot go out and they have to be quarantined what system or what role-playing game should be kind of like their go-to if they're starting out you know like what will be like something for somebody that doesn't have any idea like me for role-playing games to start off in this whole world you know oh that's tough oh that's tough um it, it depends it depends it's um if you're just kind of by yourself and you just want, um, like you just want to kind of pick up a, an RPG book and start to kind of immerse yourself. Um, I mean, the thing is, I would say, yeah, if, if it's just you trying to teach yourself, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition has the most uh, active community, I would say, at the moment because of because of its size, because of its appeal. Um, there's shows. Uh, there's wildly popular shows such as Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, Acquisitions Incorporated, uh, that uh, exist it's online. Mostly mysteries, can... if you're interested in D and D lore. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, sure. Um, <laughs> go fuck yourself. Anyway. Coming soon. Monthly mysteries. And um, for example, like just for somebody that maybe is not like a noob or is not like. Uh, 
somebody with without experience like if uh if somebody's hearing and they have experience and they want to play among their friends like what is like one system or one of the games that you would recommend so for, for people who are who are maybe uh have a moderate level of experience or a little bit of experience um that are looking to try something new uh again i would say genesis has very quickly become my favorite game system um that said it does uh again there i mean given that they've sort of closed down their department there's a little bit less support for it uh, books are obviously going to become harder to get a hold of um i recently actually had to cancel an order for one of uh one of their books um hey, so if you have a book if... there's always a trove i'm not oh, oh, if you needed the book oh, okay that's you you're talking about go for the pirating. trove i'm, I'm good thanks i'm not talking about pirates um, it's just a place called the troll you can find every book on it not okay. actually party cool that's good that's good don't pirate from rpg people they yeah. they yeah don't I'm make enough sure, money i'm just gonna double check i'm pretty sure the troll is not actual piracy okay i think the point and i think it's really important with the topic that we discussed today like some companies can shut down if they don't get the support or yes. don't get the money so like if you can make that extra effort and get the actual books from the company for them to keep this going you should do it yeah mm -hmm. and, and specifically i would say again support supporting like smaller smaller companies too specifically right like um is always is always good uh yeah, awesome. I mean, again i, I, uh, I hate to say it but like wizards of the coast is obviously doing quite well and don't pirate from them either i'm not endorsing that but like they're doing very well obviously fantasy flight had some problems like support companies <laughs> that are maybe not as big not the big number one name. Support the support the three, hey, and four, and five. Hashtag here's artist a, support here, artist. Yeah, he, here's yeah. a piece of advice. If you like a piece of content that entertains you, someone probably busted that ass to make that. So why don't you give them some money for it? You know, almost like it's mm -hmm. a job or something they're doing for you. And Arthur, in that regard, like uh, you that brought up the Doom Eternal topic, like who would you give your money or what? video game would you give your money right now so people can get it in this quarantine time so they can entertain themselves that it's out right now yeah it's not okay it's not released and it's not doom eternal okay uh i don't know if you guys heard of mountain blade i'm familiar uh, yeah mountain uh, blade oh, yeah. so the Banner guys Lord just released Mount, mm. yeah mm. guys that made mountain blade they made Mountain Blade Bannerlord. Again, it's still the theme of fantasy. And if you like D&D, if you like role-playing, Mountain Blade 2 Bannerlord just came out in early access. I bought it. It's cheap. It's on promotion because it is early access. And it's worth every single penny. If you're like me and you like video games or you have control of your destiny and what you're doing on it, you're going to love Mountain Blade. The game mm -hmm. simply drops you into a fantasy world as nobody, and you can do whatever you want to get your name. It's almost like Kingdom Heart, Kingdom Kingdom Come Deliverance, I think is the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't you don't have a story mode. You're just dropped into a medieval world, and you can become a mercenary king. You can pledge allegiance to a lord. You can become a merchant. You can do whatever you want on the game. Mm -hmm. Conquest the medieval world on your own. Uh, Tale Worlds, I think, is the name of the studio that made it. They're not big studio by any chance they are small so get the early access if you can because it's a great game and they did a great work it's been in development a long time now and it's a lot of fun especially if you like medieval history it's boom just do it nice rodrigo do you have an anime to recommend uh 
Well, I think I, I'm going to like this is not going to be like from a good opinion from Stafford, but I'm going to recommend like three shonen shows. Uh, mm. First of all, Demon Slayer, since we were talking about Doom Guy at the beginning, uh, is a really cool anime, shonen style, uh, that it just came out of nowhere and in the last year, like it got people from surprise. It's an amazing story, people should watch it. And right now in the manga, it seems like it's leading to its final moments. So if you can also catch that up, like it will be amazing. And just real quick, like I'm going to recommend uh, One Piece and uh, My Hero Academia, both of them. Uh, I think My Hero just finished its fourth season. It was fucking amazing. And both of them right now in the manga are in like a uh, war arc that is getting like really heated up. So if you're a fan of like anime or like you're a fan of shonen, like you should be caught up with this and yeah, go watch it. Like, and if you want something new or you haven't been exposed to this kind of animes or shonens or mangas like Arthur, like I think right now, like you're in a really good time to get into this. Like it's getting really fucking cool. Awesome. And, yeah. That's all for this week, folks. Uh, thank you for joining us. We will be coming back in two weeks to either do an interview or talk more media stuff. Uh, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Stay home. At least six foot apart from everyone else. And thank you for watching. See ya. Or listening. See ya. See you in two weeks.